Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Bradley, and holy smokes, is it great to be back into the Bridgerton feed. For those of you who follow along all of the Let's Dive Deep type of things, uh, me and my friend Connor have been diving deep into Hamilton for the last seven or eight months or so, and so it's lovely to be back talking about Bridgerton solo once again to do this podcast. Uh, for those of you who are Bridgerton fans, so much has happened since the last time we, we checked in with each other since you got a podcast in this feed, and I thought it was rather rude of me to continue to run this podcast feed without just giving you an update on all the Bridgerton things, how I feel about them, what this podcast is going to look like going forward, and all of it. So let's dive deep into Bridgerton. First of all, before we get started, I just hope you've been well. You on the other end listening to this, the pandemic is, is accelerated and decelerated, and it's been difficult, and there have been lockdowns, and lots of kind of negative things are happening. And this is not the podcast feed to litigate or really talk about those things, but we're all going through it. I'm there with you. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you've been able uh, to find some kind of silver lining, to find some kind of bright side, to, to do at least something or find some way um, to make this situation better for you or your family. And I just wanted to send those positive vibes your way before we go back to me just being the least equipped person in the world to solo podcast about Bridgerton. Uh, before that happens again, and you have to put up with that, I just well wishes to you, your family, your friends, your, your pets, all of it. It's been tough for everyone. And I hope you are doing well. Also, just in case you happen to be new to this feed and this is the first podcast you are catching of Let's Dive Deep Bridgerton, it does contain adult content, which makes sense because Bridgerton contains adult content. How adulty is this uh, podcast going to be? I have no idea. I'm unhinged. I'm off the rails. Again, I'm the worst person to be doing this podcast. So there will be adult content. To what degree? I have no idea. It'll probably be safe for children this episode, but who knows? I just recommend against uh, listening to this with children in audible range of the podcast. This is the same show that had uh, the main characters have sex in multiple locations around their kind of castle mansion while playing an old-timey cover of Taylor Swift, and that type of thing is probably not for children. So that's that's about where we're at with this podcast for an adult content warning. Boy, oh boy, though, we have so much to talk about. So let's dive right in. Here's the list of things we need to talk about today before we even get diving deep onto each one. First off, no more Duke. Regé-Jean Page is out. The Duke was one of the two main characters in season one, was definitely the breakout star of the show. I think kind of now that Bridgerton's been out for a year, I think we can all agree that Regé-Jean Page has had a, a much more, at least in that last year, a much more um, kind of uh, front of mind presence in the press you know he's being linked with James Bond of all roles and Phoebe Denever I think that's her name has just he's just under the radar still very famous still very out there a breakout role for her too but I think Reggae Jean Page was the breakout breakout star if we had a 1A and a 1B and he is gone he is not in season two so we're going to talk about that um I, I know I talked about it in the last episode but now that we got a teaser trailer I want to talk about the teaser trailer we got a couple of weeks ago and just chat again about Anthony being the main focus of season two and how I think that's going to go Bridgerton has been renewed for season three and season four we've got to talk about that the showrunner Chris Van Dusen and 
unless he's changed his mind since he announced this, um, but is leaving after season two. So season three and, and onwards will be helmed by a different showrunner. I did a quick Google before this podcast to see if that changed. And I didn't see anything being like, ha ha, just kidding. We're sticking with this guy. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk about how I see that going uh, moving forward after season two. Uh, we have the format of the season two podcast, right? So we have the format of this podcast. How am I going to approach podcasting about season two? What can you expect? You know, we did eight awesome episodes of Let's Dive Deep Bridgerton for season one, but I want to make the podcast kind of bigger and better as anyone would for season two. So we're going to talk a little bit about how this podcast is going to look. And finally, we'll speculate on a release date for season two of Bridgerton until we get more trailers and those types of things. And we can talk about it in a different episode of this podcast. All right, everyone, let's start with number one. Reggae Jean Page is out. I should also preface this. I, I usually have this at the top. I took it out of the dock because this isn't like an episode breakdown, but it's probably worth keeping it in anyway. Uh, this podcast contains spoilers. If I even remember anything that happened in Bridgerton season one, I have not rewatched it since I did the podcast. I think that's part of the charm. I watched it twice. The first time I watched an episode was for me to enjoy it. The second time I watched an episode was for me to take notes on it. I then recorded the podcast and then I watched the next episode twice. So I was never ahead of the podcasts, but I did watch each episode twice as I went along. But I've only watched each episode twice. I haven't gone back to it uh, since the podcast is finished. So let's even, I don't even know if I'll remember what happened or if I'll remember things incorrectly. But there will be spoilers and maybe things I just made up that didn't actually happen in this podcast. When I first heard the news, that was a voice crack. Holy shit, that was embarrassing. Did you guys hear that? That was crazy. Uh, when I first heard the news that Reggae Jean Page was out, I had this immediate sense of like, well, fuck. Like this, like what is season two going to look like without the main star, the breakout star? Certainly the character that was... Uh, positioned to be kind of the the gray character you know everyone lives in the gray phoebe in episode six i believe it is um where we had that kind of content warning situation that i don't really want to talk about again in, in this episode just in case um but well that phoebe ends up in the gray and we talked a lot about how phoebe kind of if you if you set someone up to fail you can't be surprised when they then fail and how i felt people were being a little harsh on phoebe and those types of things so she's definitely kind of a gray character and she is the main character of the story it's about her it's about her doing this dating season thing <laughs> kind of around london to find a suitor and all that so it's about her um but the duke and reggae jean page they they kind of they brought the show to life in a way. He's the rogue character. Everyone else is part of this kind of same set of families all doing the same thing. And he's kind of a rogue duke who has the position begrudgingly because his father died. He doesn't really want it. He certainly doesn't want anything to do with remembering or interacting with or talking about his father. And through that, he meets he meets Daphne and they do their thing. And he is the he, he was the spark of season one. He was he was what took Bridgerton from being a good period piece to being Netflix's number one most popular show of all time. Now, interestingly enough, just yesterday they announced that Squid Game is now the most popular show of all time on Netflix. But previous to yesterday, Bridgerton had been the most popular show on Netflix ever, which is insane. And I think Reggae Jean Page had a lot to do with that. So what is season two going to look like without him? 
After I took a breath and calmed down a little bit, um, a lot of people online, I think most people who watched Bridgerton like myself had no idea the books existed or even read the books. And that's most people with most TV shows that are based on books. And I'm usually the book reader person who hates those people who haven't read the books when they complain about things um, that happened in the... Anyways, whatever. Um, and so I haven't read the books. So I had a bunch of book readers kind of go on Reddit, on Twitter, the typical places I browse for my TV show stuff. And they were like... This sucks because it turned out that Reggae Jean Page just did, just did such a good job playing Simon. But Simon actually is not in book number two very much. Each of the books is focused on a different character from the What is the family's name? What is the family's name? I know that it's alphabetical, but what is the family's name? Oh my goodness. What is the I'm going to Google it right now. I'm Googling. Oh, Daphne, Daphne, is Bridgerton, right? Like their last name is Bridgerton? Is it Daphne Bridgerton? If their last name is Bridgerton, that is, it is Daphne Bridgerton. Holy <laughs> I'm a mess. <laughs> anyways, anyways, the first season is about Daphne Bridgerton. That's why the show's fucking called Bridgerton. This is why I should not be doing this podcast. Anyways, um, the Duke is just apparently, and I haven't confirmed this by reading the book and I do not want to, uh, he is apparently not in book number two a whole lot. So his loss on the show might make sense from a variety of factors. The first is we already talked about how eight episodes is a little tight to squeeze a whole book into. And I know movies do it in like two and a half hours. But we talked about, you know, at the end when the rain is coming down and they're dancing and stuff. I remember saying something like, I, I don't hate the way this ended. I just wish it took a little longer to get there. And I wish we kind of sat with the conflict a little longer. And so if they're going to squeeze things into eight episodes again, maybe they're preemptively doing actually something I really wanted the show to do and cutting kind of the fluff out and just really hyper-focusing on that main story we're following. So when the ending hits and it lands, we've had enough time to sit with whatever conflict is there and things don't feel too rushed and things have time to breathe. And if the Duke is not part of book number two and not part of the story they are trying to tell then I don't really want them to write the Duke in and change their story and mess up the story just because people found him popular and he was a good actor now from a marketing standpoint maybe the show's easier to market if he's in it uh, but I think story first if you're making this show story first for Bridgerton which gets accused I, I think I, what I did do successfully in the podcast is really break down some of the more deep elements of the show and, and show that it well it appears to be kind of a surface level uh, period piece that you can damsel in distress get saved by the Duke those types of things there's actually a lot of layers to the show that I, I really really enjoyed and if you paid attention and actually watched it um and and i say that it's like some people watch while it's on their phone some people watch while they're on a second monitor doing homework or something um but if you actually just sat and watched it and really paid attention uh it's a show with layers it's not the deepest show in the universe but it definitely has um it has a deep end if it's a pool there's the shallow end for part of it but there's the deep end as well and if that's what they're doing with their story and they want to, to take that deep end and really expand it more, and Reggae Jean Page and the, and the Duke are, are just not part of that story, then I'm more than fine with them cutting him out, and I just won't overreact to that news. At, at, the, at the beginning, I was really like, oh man, now I have to sit through season two. Anthony's not my favorite character. I really don't like him. And then the one dude I did like, I really liked Will the Boxer. He's pretty cool. I'm sure he'll be back. 
but I really, really liked, um, I think it's Simon Bassett, I think. How did I forget Bridgerton when it's the title of the show? But I remembered Simon Bassett. Um, but I really enjoyed this guy, and he's not going to be in season two. But hey, I trust, if the, book, if the book people are saying it's not in the book, and then the show people are saying, hey, he's not in the book, so we're not going to put him in the show unnecessarily. I can be more than fine with that. Does it work? Who knows? We're all going to have to watch the show. But I think my my reaction level went from kind of big overreaction, just, just a, a feeling of like, not dread, but just now I'm going to have to watch this show with Anthony as the main character, which is not my favorite choice. And the one dude I did like isn't going to be in it, despite him being Anthony's like hypothetical best friend, right? Like that was a relationship. And I was like, oh man, this kind of sucks. But since then, now that it's been a, it's been a year, right? Or almost a year since Bridgerton came out. We've all had time to just relax a little bit. I'm much less concerned about season two without Reggae Jean Page in it, because I think they'll do a, a decent job uh, of finding someone else to to really take up uh, the star role. We have um, Simone Ashley coming in as Kate Sharma. Now, I don't know who Kate Sharma is. I'm assuming Anthony's kind of love interest. I, f I really feel like the show is gonna follow, like I, la The Last Kingdom follows the same patterns. Like, ooh, there are Danes. We have to kill the Danes to unite Wessex. Ooh, yay, we've done that. Oh boy, there are more Danes. I, I feel like each episode of, or each season of Bridgerton will be some like same typical pattern. Hey, there's a social season. Someone needs to get married married. Ooh, here's all the conflict that comes up because of that. And so Simone Ashley is fantastic. I've seen her in a few things. I think sex education is one of those things. If I'm trying to think off the top of my head, she's fantastic. I'm sure, um, I'm sure Kate Sharma as a character is going to be awesome. And I think if I was willing to give Reggae Jean Page a shot at the beginning of season one of Bridgerton and he knocked it out of the park, I don't want to sit here and complain that he's not in it when Simone Ashley is probably perfectly capable of kind of taking that mantle and really being electric and really providing that kind of extra level that we're hoping for in season two of Bridgerton and so my overall take is that I freaked out at the beginning and I was a little bit sad just knowing that I have to do it takes about three hours overall to like watch the episode a second time take the notes record the podcast edit the podcast where I'm like oh man I have to watch the show now and we're just downgrading the character to the characters that I don't like as much and I'm gonna have to podcast about it but now I'm a lot more optimistic and, and I feel like I wasn't at the beginning giving these new people a chance um, when what we all did with Bridgerton at the beginning was was give that first crew a chance much like the crown which swaps casts every once once in a while um, every time they swap casts I'm always like oh man how are these new people even gonna uh, be the the new queen or the new um, the new prince or whatever, I always get a little like, oh man, I can't see it. And then I watch one episode of The Crown and I'm just fully back invested into it, even with all new cast. So I'll, I'll give everyone the benefit of the doubt that they, they have earned the chance to really knock it out of the park with Kate Sharma as a character and some of the other characters they will introduce. And I will not be upset that Reggae Jean Page isn't in it until... I watched season two, and if season two is dull and kind of boring and missing that uh, Duke Simon Bassettness of it, then I'll come back and be like, oh, maybe that was a poor choice. But for now, for now, I'm going to be happy about it. It's fine. He's gone. He's not in the books. Hopefully, this is an indication that the story is being told well, and, and we're going to give a chance to some of the other actors and actresses we will be seeing this season. And this doesn't even include the possibility that maybe Reggae Jean Page didn't even want to be in Bridgerton. That could be it too. Maybe they did write him in and he was like, nah, I don't want to do season two. I have no idea. Um, but that doesn't even include the possibility that they did have plans for him and he just didn't want to do it, which is also, hey, fair play to you, dude. Uh, you shouldn't work on projects you don't want to do just so I can watch them on TV.
by this point in my life, and by my life, I mean the couple of months since the podcast ended and I finished podcasting about Bridgerton in the first season, to right now, I have come to terms with the fact that I will be watching a full season of uh, television based on Anthony Bridgerton's character. I have come to that realization. I, I don't feel as resigned to it as I used to. I feel very excited about it, mostly because of the other characters that might be in season two that aren't Anthony Bridgerton. Uh, but hey, they again, they've earned the right to sell me on, on Anthony Bridgerton as a character. And I, don't, I didn't dislike Jonathan Bailey's performance of Anthony at all. I just disliked the character kind of as it was written and, 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 and how it filled in with the rest of the cast in the story. So we're going to... Take a pause and be happy about this. Uh, but they did release, Netflix released a cool uh, kind of teaser trailer at this Netflix thing they were doing. It was a Netflix thing. They released a bunch of teasers and trailers and everything from The Witcher to all the other stuff. And you can tell I watch a lot of Netflix. There's The Witcher, all the other stuff Netflix does, and Bridgerton. And they released a little teaser trailer. And this teaser, teaser trailer, if you are trying to tailor a teaser trailer, if you're trying to create, that was a tongue twister, if you're trying to create a teaser trailer to just perfectly whet my appetite for your show, it's like they knew what I was thinking. It's like they knew the whole audience is out there being like, eh, Anthony's not my favorite. I'm going to watch a whole season of, of television with him in it. What is this going to look like? The teaser they showed was the first moment it appears in the show where he meets Kate Sharma. And this is so funny. I want you to go watch it. I don't need to re kind of purpose the whole thing here. I'm going to explain it worse than the trailer actually is. But basically, it's this first interaction in a courtyard between Anthony and Kate Sharma. And he's trying to charm her and woo her a bit. And she just like, just dunks on him over and over and over again. And I wrote on Twitter at the time, if the whole of season two is just going to be like women coming and dunking on Anthony, this might be my favorite television season ever in TV, period. I was so in on it. It, it, it really was like they knew what I wanted to see in this trailer. And it feels like they kind of had the audience. And they're like, hey, what people want to see right now is, is Kate Sharma and um, Simone Ashley dunk on Anthony. And that's what they gave us. It's a quick... 30 second trailer, you should go watch it. I'll try and remember to put the link in the show notes if you haven't seen it, but it's the perfect little prep for season two. It's just 30 seconds. Uh, we meet Kate Sharma, who is going to be one of the protagonists or antagonists, probably one of the protagonists if I'm taking a guess here. And by the end, probably ends up with Anthony because if each book is about a different person, Anthony's story's got to end at the end of this season. And I can't imagine it just ends with like him him not being with anyone. And so uh, at least for now, I'm going to assume Kate Sharma is the person he kind of ends up with. So it primes us for a lot of things. It's a really smart teaser trailer in the sense that we get what we want, or I get what I want in, in someone dunking on Anthony, which is perfect. But it kind of just sets the stakes really simply. Hey, you've watched season one. You know what the social season's about. Kate Sharma's here. Anthony's going to have to find a wife. And season one, had a lot of little bits and pieces of how Anthony either didn't want to do that or struggled with that or he wanted to be with someone else. I can't remember that someone else's name, but I really liked her. She was the opera singer. I can't remember her name right now. But anyways, um, it had that conflict in there and how um, and how uh, Mama Bridgerton was disappointed in him and you you already know all that stuff, so they don't need to re-explain that. They just need to show you that this is going to be an uphill battle. This isn't going to be easy. It's not going to be particularly fun for him, right? He's going to he's gonna just try and do it the easy way and get dunked on by 
Kate Sharma, and we're going to have to work from there. And it leaves you with the, well, how does he do it? How does he do this then? How does he approach this social season? And I really like that because in 30 seconds, it's quick, it's short, it gives me what I want. It sets the stakes really simply, but it doesn't hold my hand through it. It trusts that I've watched season one and I, and I, and I remember what's going on and I know what's happening and I know how this show kind of works and functions. So a really smart teaser trailer. I was super excited about it. I'm more excited than I was earlier about Anthony in season two. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Still not my favorite. Still not my favorite, but we will see how it goes, and I'm willing to give the whole thing the benefit of the doubt, but A-plus on the teaser trailer for sure. About a month after season one dropped, I believe it dropped on Christmas, actually, uh, in 2020. A month after that happened, I assume Bridgerton was getting very popular. They were looking at all the internal figures. Uh, it was around mid to end of January in 2021, so this year, where they announced that Bridgerton would be renewed for season two. And then shortly after that, I can't remember how long, they actually announced that it was going to be renewed for four seasons, so three additional season seasons on top of season one. And that really shocked me for a couple of reasons. This is before it was announced that it was the most popular show in Netflix history. So just at the time, I was kind of thrown back by that because usually shows get renewed for one season at a time, sometimes two seasons at a time, specifically on Netflix. When you're watching a show like Friends used to get renewed for a couple of seasons at, at a time, um, Outlander, you know, in season three, I believe got renewed for four and five at one time and now just got renewed for, for season six. And so you, sometimes you get shows renewing for two seasons at a time, but in the era of Netflix, it feels like these shows are getting renewed one season at a time. The Last Kingdom didn't get renewed for season five until after season four had completed. And it was, it was a while. We didn't really know for a while, or what, while whether we were getting season five of The Last Kingdom. You do sometimes have these shows being renewed before uh, the season even drops. Ted Lasso was one of those shows that dropped and immediately got renewed for, for three seasons, kind of before anyone had really had a chance to watch it. You, which is the Netflix show, season four or season three is just coming out, but they've already renewed it for season four early. So sometimes you have these different situations, but very rarely does a show get renewed for three additional seasons right off the bat. And I'm assuming when they're making these decisions, they're looking at the numbers and going, oh, this is the most popular show we've ever had. Even if it drags in popularity a little bit from here, it's not dragging enough to make it not worth uh, making these seasons. So we can safely renew it for three seasons and financially make sure everything's all good. The reason why it shocked me, though, is because of the format of the show. With it being a show that focuses on a different character each season, there's inherently a large amount of risk there in that not everyone's going to like all the characters the same, and you have to continually kind of upkeep those characters in a way that's interesting, right? If you watch a show like Game of Thrones, regardless of what you thought of the ending of it, um, it followed a bunch of characters at the same time, right? So sometimes it would focus heavily on one and then move to others, but it wasn't as strict as Bridgerton is with one season, one character. And so what has to happen is every season, we're going to put a spotlight on a character we already know about. We already know about Anthony. We already know about Benedict. We already know about Eloise, right? We already know who these people are, right? But we didn't get tons of Anthony, right? Like my initial impression is I don't really like Anthony that much. So then you have a big job to do is you have to make me like him. And that's a big job. And it works the other way around too. If I already like this character, right? It, like the opera singer, I really love her character. She's awesome, 
right? But maybe I like her because I don't really know all that much. Is it Sienna? I think her name is freaking Sienna. Maybe I like her because I don't know that much about her, right? Maybe the charm is that I really don't know all that much about her other than how she kind of fits into the rest of this world. Ted Lasso just really recently did a deep dive episode on one of its characters. That was that wasn't a miss in the sense that it was a terrible episode that everyone hated, but was a complete miss in the sense that the fun of the character that they did the deep dive on was that we didn't really know a whole lot about him. Right. And so when they did this deep dive, it was just kind of weird and it was difficult. And so there's really an, a no win situation when you have this format, because you either have to take a character that people that people are less hyped on than your current main characters and hype them up to that same level. And, and doing that every single season is going to be really, really hard to accomplish. Right. Or you have to take a character that people already like a lot and make sure people keep liking them. Make sure they stay interesting enough. You're taking a character that has you know, 5%, 7% of the screen time and now giving them 50% of it. Well, how do you make sure that part of the charm wasn't that they only had 5% of the screen time? It would be like doing a Harry Potter spin-off chapter on Mundungus Fletcher. Like, do we need that? Do we want that? Everyone already hates him. What could you do in that chapter to really make me enjoy it? And so I found that renewing for three seasons commits you to three characters, right? It's going to be Anthony Benedict Eloise, possibly. I'm not exactly sure. They Or Colin is in there too. Anthony Benedict. They go out of order. They started with Daphne, who's the D in this alphabetical list. Um, but in terms of characters who are going to kind of age one year at a time, uh, you know, I think Colin, Benedict, Eloise will be the next kind of three in line. And so it's a little bit strange to me that they would commit to that kind of three seasons right off the bat just because of the job they have to do with this show in particular. I suppose that what that allows, though, is it allows for, if you know season four, right? You've renewed through season four. If you know season four is about Eloise, it does give you the chance to kind of break out that season and know what you want to do with Eloise in that season and really make sure that seasons two and three kind of set you up for that Eloise season or season two sets you up for the Colin season in season three. And so I suppose if you write it correctly, and we know these writers can, but we also know they can't. The Marina storyline, I really think that was just very poorly written. And so I don't know if I have the most faith in the writers to really pre-plan two seasons ahead for our character and make sure that when we get to the first episode of their season, we are on the ground and kind of running with it. Again, I, I will give the benefit of the doubt. This is the first kind of season with a different character switch. Maybe they nail it, but it was surprising when they renewed through four seasons based on this factor. And the next reason I found it surprising, the second reason was just how expensive Bridgerton is to make. Uh, you can look at unofficial reports of how much it costs to produce these different television shows. Netflix never releases it specifically. Uh, but Bridgerton is very expensive. Period pieces are very expensive. I'm actually going to look at what the latest uh, estimate. Bridgerton cost per season. Um, how much did season one of Bridgerton cost? Can someone tell me? Oh, boy. See the screen? Oh, Screen Rant has a list. Now I have to look at Screen Rant. Oh boy, here we go. One second. 
Yeah, about 7 million per episode, which is actually not as high as I thought. There are some shows that are more expensive than that, but the initial estimates are about 7 million per episode. I was going to guess about 10 million per episode, rounding out to somewhere between 80 and 100 million uh, per season. I suppose cutting it from a 10-episode uh, season to an 8-episode season kind of helps lower the cost overall. But it's an expensive show. It is not a cheap show to make. And so extending it through seasons three and four and committing all of that money to it without really being, I guess, financially sure that it's going to pay off was an interesting choice. And maybe it could just be that because it's the most popular show, it's going to make its $8 million back, even if even if it becomes the 10th most, most popular show it'll kind of pay for itself, so it doesn't really matter. But just between the character switching they're going to have to do and the, the budgetary way that these television shows work, and I, the surprise that you would commit that kind of money three seasons in advance, um, I'm happy about this. Obviously, it, it provides opportunities for the writers to really nail the stories in seasons three and four. It provides opportunities for a lot of the crew, a lot of the cast, a lot of the um, writers, directors, showrunners, those types of people to really sink their teeth in and know that they're not going to be out of a job at the end of the season, know that they can end season two in a way um, that, that leaves cliffhangers for season three because you know you're going to get that chance to kind of get back to it. You, you don't know if you're going to have a show next year or not. So I, I think it's all positive. If you're a fan of Bridgerton, you're going to get more seasons. They're going to have more opportunities to make sure the story lands and more certainty that they'll be able to do that. It was just an unusual choice at the time that I was a little bit taken aback by. The next big piece of news that kind of came out, this all came out at the same time, by the way, like roughly the same time, or it felt like the same time. You know, Reggae on Page leaving, uh, Anthony being the main focus, although book readers would have already known that, the, the season three and four renewals, and then finally, the showrunner Chris Van Dusen leaving after season two. Now, by the time that you listen to this podcast, I, I'm posting it tomorrow, so maybe not overnight, uh, but if you're listening to this in the future, maybe things have changed. Maybe Chris Van Dusen is going to stick around for seasons three and four. Maybe those reports early on were erroneous, but I remember reading one where like, they interviewed Chris Van Dusen about it, so I'm pretty sure that it's at least the plan. I would say it's never good if your showrunner is leaving in the middle of the run. Like Your show is the most popular show in Netflix history. Everyone loves it, won a bunch of Emmys, and then we actually should do an episode about the Emmys. I hadn't thought about that. We'll, we'll do that in the next mid-season mid episode, or between-season episode. Your show's just raked in a lot of Emmys, but kind of in the back of your mind, the person who runs the show doesn't want to do it after season two. And there's a few different thoughts. The first thought is maybe, maybe Bridgerton was always just like a two season thing for him. He's got other things he want to do. Sometimes creative people just want to get onto other creative things. They don't want to stick around in one thing for too long. And I'm generally pro the approach where you kind of have a job for a certain amount of time and then you give that job up and let someone else take the reins. I like that approach with Doctor Who and each doctor obviously doesn't hit quite the same, but the revolving doctor can be kind of nice sometimes. I think it's really good. Practically, you know, uh, politics works this way in a lot of democratic countries where you have norms uh, and sometimes even constitutional laws about how long people can serve. The thought is that the job is kind of there and, and you do the job for as long as it makes sense for you to do it. And then you move on and hand the reins to someone else. Killing Eve had this approach with showrunners. Each, each season had a different showrunner. And again, while each season wasn't exactly the same, I think the approach in general uh, was an interesting one. And so I, I find it... Uh, a mixed bag for me. On one hand, maybe there's a better showrunner out there than Chris Van Dusen. Maybe someone else comes in and does a better job. 
On the other hand, the, the job Chris Van Dusen did produced a show that we liked. It won a bunch of Emmys. It's the most popular show on Netflix. And so to have the showrunner leave is just a bit strange. It all feels a bit strange to me. Like, just, I don't know how to put it. I don't want to dive deep too far into it and uh, go and, like, search every interview Chris Van Dusen's ever gave and every, because it doesn't really matter. It's just as a general feeling, it feels weird to me that I'm going into season two right? Going to podcast about it, going to do all that, and know the show is the most popular show in the world as of yesterday until it got overtaken, right? Know that it's been renewed for four seasons. Know that people are going to listen to this podcast and millions of people are going to love the show and watch the show. And just know that the showrunner just isn't going to be a part of it after season two. That's just weird for me. And I don't know whether to take it as weird as in like, oh no, like the story gets really difficult after season two, and so he's just getting out while the while the going's good. He, he's gonna take the paycheck. He the the season three and four storylines are harder. The books are harder to adapt. The stories aren't as compelling. So he just doesn't. He's not interested in those storylines possibly. Or it could just be very innocent. Like hey, he always wanted this to be a two season thing for him. And then he wanted to hand the reins over. He never would have expected uh, this to go for two seasons or four seasons, and has other things in mind that he was planning. It could be a a mix of all of these things we also have to assume that this show being part of Shondaland Shonda Rhimes has loads of producers and directors and showrunners that she can pull from that Chris Van Dusen's not the only possible person in the realm of this show that could do a good job showrunning it so I have confidence that it'll be fine I'm not worried about it I'm not like worried about season three being worse because the showrunner is going to be different I just do think there's there's a strange aspect to it and it's kind of weird knowing that despite the popularity of the show, despite that it's been renewed for three seasons, despite the fact that people generally liked the work you did in the first season, that it's not that he's just leaving after season two. And maybe a lot of people watching the show don't even know who the showrunner is. Most people probably wouldn't. I mean, even people listening to this podcast might not know who the showrunner is or what a showrunner is. And I don't know. I don't know what, what else to say about it after that, other than it's just a bit strange to me, but I'm willing to, to just go along to get along and assume that things are going to be totally fine and that I won't even notice the showrunners changed and the show will still be good uh, going into season three after Chris Van Dusen has left. Finally, I thought I'd take two minutes to kind of um, just guesstimate and, and try and figure out what a fun release date for this show would be, considering it is a very social season-esque show that does sex montages over uh, Taylor Swift's covers, right? Like, that's the kind of show it is. It's a very romantic show. It's a very uh, kind of intimate show, and that's what they're going for. We did get confirmation that season two will be releasing in 2022 and not in 2021. I would have guessed if I had a million dollars and I had to bet on it, I would have guessed Christmas again. You know, don't break or don't don't break something that's not broken. Don't fix something that. How did I get that wrong? Don't fix something that isn't broken. The Christmas release date worked. It was fantastic. People are on holidays. We're going to watch Bridgerton. And that was a big part of it. I was on my Christmas holidays from work, which I have about three and a half weeks off every year. And, and that's why I watched Bridgerton. And, and that's what happened. Is like It was there. People were loving it. I wanted to do this podcast. And I was at home and had the time to do it. And moving it past Christmas may have an adverse effect on viewership or things like that. But that's not really my problem to deal with. I think that it's probably going to be around Valentine's Day. Netflix has a bunch of shows coming out around Christmas, and maybe that's why they didn't want to do this one as well. The Witcher's coming out in December. 
Um, I, I think it's The Witcher's coming out in December. You is coming out pretty soon here, maybe next week sometime. There's there's shows like they don't want to they don't want to throw all their shows out at one time. Right, they want to through the as one show's ending, they want the next to begin. They want to keep you sucked in. They want to keep you paying your monthly fee. You want to go you into The Witcher, into Bridgerton, right? And and, and maybe that's what they're playing here. I'm gonna guess Valentine's Day. Just I think Valentine's Day would be perfect. Maybe a few days before Valentine's Day. I don't know if they're gonna drop all the episodes at one time. I assume that they will. Although if I had the most popular show on my platform, I would consider dropping it week to week to get all the discussion and all the chat and all the whatever that, that happens when, when you do the week to week drops. I assume they're gonna drop them all at one time. I'm gonna assume Valentine's Day. What day is Valentine's Day? What day is Valentine's Day? It is a Monday. So maybe not the Monday, maybe the 11th. Maybe they'll drop it on the Friday, the 11th. You can watch it over the weekend. Most people will be wrapping up their binge by Valentine's Day. I just think that would be a nice, fun, you know, just a fun thematic date for, for season two to release. So I'm going to guess, I'm going to put my money down if I had a million dollars to spend on this. I would, I would bet on Friday, the 11th of February being the release date. I think that covers all of the Bridgerton news other than the Emmys. We will do an episode on the Emmys, which I can't believe uh, I missed doing in this podcast. But hey, it gives me an excuse to record another one. And it means another one's going to pop up in your feed uh, before the trailers come out, which is awesome. The last thing I wanted to discuss, though, is actually just this podcast and how we're going to approach season two. So I don't want to fix something that's not broken. Going into season two, I want this podcast to feel very, very similar. Uh, we're going to do kind of uh, spoiler-free episodes in the sense that I'm I'm going to watch and record as I go along. What we're not going to do is watch the whole season and, and, and go back and then review the whole season. I think you guys really enjoyed, or I think I really enjoyed, but I got a lot of positive feedback that I was kind of podcasting along with the show, that I didn't know what happened next, that I was guessing on who Lady Whistledown was just as much as everyone else was as we went along. I did have a question about that, though, and I'd love your feedback. Let's dive deep pod at gmail.com. For feedback at Let's Dive Deep on Twitter for feedback. One of the things I do want to know from you guys before season two gets going, um, and maybe I'll do another podcast episode just about season two of this podcast so we can get some more feedback in a more uh, focused way. But is that the way we should do season two? That's the way I think I'm going to approach it. It's the way I enjoy doing it. Although I do really enjoy watching the entirety of something and then going back and, and kind of diving deep, knowing what happens. I think that's fun as well. The, the issue I had kind of with the podcast is that I was, because they drop all the episodes on one day, everyone had watched the entire show before episode two of this podcast came out. So it creates a weird dynamic where I always have less information than the audience. And I just don't know if that was weird or not now with season two being a thing that we all know is coming people are going to have the chance to kind of do that with the podcast if they choose to if they choose not to binge they're going to watch season one or episode one and they're going to listen to episode one and then watch episode two and listen to episode two that option is there for people if they want to take it but i was just wondering what people thought about the imbalance in that i was always behind the audience i was recording um as I went along, and then I was posting the episodes every week, which I don't think we're changing. I think I'm going to do them weekly again, um, just so everyone has something in their feed for, for two months instead of, you know, one week. And 
I just don't know what that was like for you guys. For me, I didn't mind it at all. But obviously, I just have no idea on your end. Was it weird listening to a podcast where you're like, I already know how this goes. This isn't very interesting if I know what happens. Just let me know in the in any of the feedback channels that you can find me. Um, and I, I think that's an interesting kind of point uh, to, to kind of bring up with you guys. And the last thing that I did want to talk about is whether I should do it solo again. I think I'm going to do it solo again. This is... This is I'm harder coded in my brain that I want to do the podcast solo. I think that's part of the charm. But I also think what I did miss is that I never had the chance to have a discussion about Bridgerton. When I'm doing Let's Dive Deep Hamilton, I get to have a discussion with somebody about Hamilton. And I feel like instead of just talking at a screen or at a microphone or at my notes page, I am having just a real discussion with somebody in real time. And I think part of the charm of my podcast is that I was solo podcasting it, that I was doing it by myself, that that had like a weird kind of charm and dynamic to it that was just kind of fun to listen to, right? And I I didn't have anyone to save me if I was going off the deep end. Um, But there is always the possibility, you know, it's one of the most popular shows in the world. There are loads of people out there that do podcasts that I could pull along to do a Bridgerton deep dive for eight episodes. I'm sure maybe Connor from Let's Dive Deep Hamilton would actually have a lot of fun doing Let's Dive Deep Bridgerton. I know his wife loves Bridgerton, so maybe that would be fun. Um, So there are some options there for co-hosts. I just want to know from you guys whether you would like a co-hosted show, um, and I will find somebody suitable for that, or whether you want the solo show again, because the solo show is fun. Everyone else is doing a co-hosted show. You don't need that in this feed. Um, You're enjoying the solo content. I think that's it. That's all. To give me any of that feedback, let's dive deep pod at gmail.com or at let's dive deep on Twitter. The two best places to kind of find me. If you're interested in let's dive deep Hamilton, you can just search let's dive deep Hamilton in your feed or check the show notes and you should be good to go. Uh, it's very, very fun. If you like the musical Hamilton, it's a long slog. Each podcast episode is around two hours, two and a half hours. And we, we take our time going through the musical, but we have a, we have a good time on that podcast and it's pretty popular. And I, and I hope that if you do make the hop over there that you enjoy it otherwise i hope you continue to be well thank you so much for listening to this podcast i will be back with an emmy version of 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 the bridgerton podcast and i will be back with any time we get any teaser trailers or trailers or any kind of big news or interviews about season two i'll be back to kind of discuss those with you guys and start generating the hype for that, if you have any feedback in general about how you think uh, season two of this podcast should go, give me that feedback wherever you can find me. Otherwise, just thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next one.